little winded after that, but that was awesome. Hope you enjoyed that. It summarizes a lot of what we're getting ready to talk about for the next few weeks. And that is what God's done for us and how he sees us, what his posture is towards you and I. Uh, if you look on the screen, you can see some Legos that were being snapped together uh, in sort of a developmental fashion. And I think it's pretty apropos when we see God looking at us and realizing that we were made for something that uh, is much better than, than we already are. We're incomplete. And in Christ, uh, we are made complete. Uh, this morning, um, as we begin to launch this series on God making us for something better, it is on the heels of our celebration of Easter. And if you're like me, it was awesome to be a part of a wonderful Easter experience, both at church and with my family. But the thing that I always try to keep in mind is why it happened in the first place and the difference that it made. And I can only think about certain s stories and scenes that have occurred in my life as I imagine the effects of Easter that, that, that I can really grasp uh, the, the significance of it. And uh, one story involves uh, just whenever I was growing up in the little town of 3,500 people where everybody knew everybody and there weren't a lot of eateries. We had a Dairy Queen and we also had the gas station and did I mention the Dairy Queen? And we had a park on the other side and people would make a loop around uh, through Dairy Queen and then through the park and then back around and that was pretty much it and they'd wave and it's just small town stuff. And I remember this one guy, his name was Greg, and Greg would drive around in his Mustang, and he always had kind of a sad face, and I always wondered why he was so upset. And then a um, uh, person that I talked to one time said, well, Greg, is, he's not real happy because his wife is constantly cheating on him. And one of the things that he's doing is he's driving around looking for her. And this was a person who really had no attachment to the Lord whatsoever. Uh, he, his, his whole way of life, his whole compass was going in the wrong direction. Greg was involved in drugs at the time. And just everything about his experience seemed to be pointing uh, in a, in a, in, towards disaster. And I remember uh, as uh, he would just make this loop one summer, and then all of a sudden I didn't see him anymore driving through town, and I wondered, what, what happened to Greg? What was his story? And then a few years passed, and I never, never saw him uh, subsequently again in our town. And while at, the, while, while at the same time God was doing something in my life, he was helping me to, to see that I, I also uh, was not pointing my life in the right direction and things that I was involved in at the time were not what God's best design was and he was stirring something up inside of me and it got to the point where it became clear that God was saying over and over and over, Leonard, you are made for something better and eventually the point was well taken. And I steered myself towards a church in a community 25 miles away from the one that I grew up in. And at the time, I didn't really know anybody, especially anybody at church. And while I walked in the door on that first Sunday evening and I saw a number of people gathered for a, an evening Bible study, I almost fell over because one of the individuals that I saw happened to be Greg. And when Greg saw me and I saw him, there was just an acknowledgement. But the, but the acknowledgement was like, we were there, but now we're here. 
And things are different. And to me, by the look on his face, it had transformed from being sad and just downcast to really being full of life and joy and a peace. And to me, it was, it was like I was looking at a twin brother that had somehow gotten away from the one who has the dark side. And I remember engaging him in conversation and recognizing that the very thing that I was looking for, he had already found. And by the time he had landed at this church, he had discovered that God had a different plan for his life. The former life, his wife left him, so it ended in divorce very, very sadly. But God said, I've got plans for you, Greg. You're still young, and we're going to hit the reset button. Greg found a girl there at the church, beautiful girl who sang in a lovely way, and they started having kids. And as time went on, uh, my wife and I attended that church, and, and my wife met Greg's wife, and they became friends. And, and it was just so cool to see something happen that I never in a million years would have thought God could do, let alone anybody else. And I realized something that what Greg experienced, I began to experience. And if I were to just fast forward back to God's way of doing things, I would, I would see clearly and have come to see much more clearly that God looks at each of us and he says, I've made you in my image and my likeness and I want to bless you like you cannot believe. But like anything, if you bless someone and you give them a whole bunch of things that go to make up their life, and they don't value them, then it's not really a blessing at all. It becomes a curse. You see, God wants to bless us, but we have free will to do what we want to do, which I did and Greg did, and we decided that that's not working, that we needed God in the equation, and when we began to align with his purposes, the blessings began to flow. And It's just been the story from the very beginning. God looks at all of us and he says, I created you to bless you. Matter of fact, just right at the beginning of the Bible, there is a description of God making what we describe as creation and us as the centerpiece of it. And at the at, at, at the end of that whole creational process is this image of two people who are beginning life together and starting a family. And God says, this is all yours. I blessed you with this place. The only thing is, there is one boundary that you should not cross. And if you do, it is all just going to come undone. And sure enough, in time, they got bored. I don't know what happened. But they decided that God's will is okay, but my will here really is... Our will here really is what we want to follow. And they did into their own detriment. The end result being that they had some children, but uh, because things were so off the rails at that point, one child got upset with the other one and he murdered him. And if you just read through the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, you find that from chapter 3 to chapter 11, it is just an unfolding of everything that was beautiful becoming fractured and falling apart to the point where it got to chapter 11 and things are just so broken down that God says my whole design for creation is to bless yet the state of affairs being what they are that's not going to happen 
Well, if we were to fast forward to Easter and we were to come to our experience today, we know that God has done some things in between that moment and now to change up everything. We celebrated Easter knowing that Jesus had died on the cross for our sins and that out of that empty tomb emerged a life raised immortal. And there is good news that's being proclaimed all over the planet all the time about this. And it isn't just... I'm saving you from the fires of hell, but I'm saving you for something, and that is to live in blessing. And Paul wrote about this in the book of Ephesians when he said, I want you to know something, that God did a fantastic thing when he sent his son. And if you look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, this is going to be the start of this message series. We'll go through just this whole chapter. And this is the word that we, that we hear from the Lord in that, in that regard. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. See, God had every desire to make us become the people that he designed us to be. It's up to us to participate in that. And so he destines us for adoption as children through Jesus Christ. Yet at the same time, only when we receive the good news can we participate in that destiny. So according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. And then he goes on to write one more thing. In him, in him only, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. It's such a powerful statement about the generosity of God that all we're doing is just receiving and taking it in. But I don't know that we fully appreciate what that means on the screen until we see what he did when everything was completely off the rails. And that zooms us back to the story of a person who was the son of, it is believed to be, an idol maker. You see, this person, his name was Abram, and he had a father, according to the rabbinic or the Jewish history, uh, he was uh, living under uh, the roof of an entrepreneur who would design things that would meet a special need for people religiously. You see, this person, Abram, who lived in the storyline of the Bible right after chapter 11, this person, he would go out at night, And unlike today with all the light pollution, he would see the stars, he would see the Milky Way, and like all the people that lived in the region that he lived in, longing for something beyond just the here and now, a supernatural connection. And many of the people, including his father, believed that if I look at the stars... I can find the plan of the divine. I can see a pattern up there that will impact my life down here. And the reality was, for his father, there were things called idols that were made out of wood and, 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 and certain um, other materials for the sole purpose of connecting you to that through this. It was a very confused attempt to try to understand things that are not comprehensible. To understand the divine. For those who lived in Abram's day, it was understanding 
really how the spirits or even the demons had bearing on our lives as we lived them out. And that was pretty much it. And Abram said, I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing what everyone else is experiencing, but I'm finding that in this idol worship, it's still confusing. It's still not satisfying. It's not fulfilling. It's not creating within me a sense of what is really out there. And the legend is amongst the, 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 the Jewish teachers of, of the past, That what Abraham was longing for is what we have here. And that is the one true God. And it was kind of like God is saying, I'm looking for someone who kind of gets me. And God, as he was looking at an opportunity to bless all of humanity again and to put things right again, God was saying, there's one person who's just kind of feeling his way towards me. And that person is Abram. So God showed up to Abram one day, and this is what he said. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, we read this. And this provides the backstory for the Bible story, for the gospel, for your story, uh, and for mine. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I'll show you, and I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And God said, I know that it's completely undone right now. But this is the great reset. This is the time when I begin to show everyone that they were made for something better. And that's what I love about this story is that it has so much bearing on your life and mine because I know there are, there are people like Greg who are sitting in churches right now, maybe even in this room, people like myself who are just saying, I know there's something better, but I don't know quite how to connect. And God is saying, that's all I've been after for a long time. Because the reality is, I don't know what your picture of who you think God is. It may be based on a father figure in your life who on some, in some ways is good and in other ways perhaps not so good. And you tend to project onto your understanding of God, your understanding of that important authority figure in your life. But I want you to know something Whatever your picture of God is, this is the thing you need to understand. God's posture towards you and I is a posture of blessing. It's just what he wants to do. If you have children, how many of you spoil your children? Or you think, yeah, sometimes I spoil my children. How many of you have spoiled your children? Nobody? A few of you. Why do you want to do that? You can't help yourself, can you? But then you know if you give them too much, well, then they become little tyrants. So we got to back off on that. It's no different for you and I. God showers blessings on us and then we don't understand it and then we really, we abuse it or we forget where it came from. And when God wants to bless us, I think there are really just three ways that that happens. As um, he looks at your life and mine, 
He's saying, I want it to just be characterized on all fronts with blessing. And the first one is material blessing. If you got up today, chances are you were in a bed that was inside of a, a house that probably had even indoor plumbing. And maybe a, a garage that had uh, one or two vehicles inside of it. And perhaps when you got up this morning, you saw that inside this house is a closet that is filled with clothing that is designed to help you look appropriate in the course of the day. And maybe you went to the refrigerator and you open up the door and you retrieve from it your eggs and you cooked it on your stove. And all of those things are a blessing. They're from God. Maybe you think, I made that. I earned it. It's mine. And perhaps on one level that's true. But on another level, it gets back to who made you and enabled you to do all these things to begin with. And if, um, if you've ever been aware of just how much God's blessed you, perhaps you've stopped to think about, well, why? Why do I have this stuff? Why... Am I amongst the top 15% of the people in the world who don't have this stuff? If I look at the other 85%, I think about this girl that uh, uh, was in a conversation with someone this week who described receiving a doll from somebody in her third world country and going to lay down on her bed at night with and her bed happened to be a piece piece of wood that she slept on on a dirt floor. But she was perfectly content in that environment and very blessed by the gift. And I think about that and I realize something that God has privileged us in ways that we really can't keep perspective on unless we have that point of contrast. And maybe God's saying, maybe you need to ask the question, why do you have what you have? And God may be putting that in front of us this morning. Because God's posture is blessing and somehow... Out of his grace, we've been blessed. I mean, you get up in the morning, you look at that closet, you see those jeans, and you're like, I'm going to fit into those one of these days. (laughs) Just a little FYI, probably not. Just get rid of them. Give them to somebody that needs them. Don't hoard them. Be humble. Well, God's looking at this aspect of our lives and he's saying why do you think I gave you a home Leonard you've got one two three four bedrooms you have one two three people and some animals who try to humanize themselves but that's another story so only right now my wife and I sleep in the same bed that can change at any moment (laughs) and then there's our boy Stephen in the other room two rooms God, what do you want me to do with these two rooms? And I thought, you know, I don't know how the immigration thing's going, but I thought, you know, if we needed to, if we needed to house some Guatemalan kids, I'd love to have them. I haven't talked to my wife about that, but I'd love to have them uh, just because we've got space. And I wonder, did God give me that space so I could hoard it, or did he give me that space so I could use it to be a blessing? And when I look at all of that, I realize something. Maybe I'm not thinking through the blessings of God in the way that I need to be thinking through. Maybe I'm thinking about in terms of what I have versus what I have for others. 
And I realize material blessings are just one pathway for God to do through Abraham and through Jesus and through his church what he's intended to do the whole time. Perhaps you think about it a different way because God looks at Abraham and he says, this is about really a relationship between yourself and myself. See, the relationships, well, God's probably telling him, I've been relationally challenged for a number of years and I'd like to change that. I'd like to see pathways of blessing begin to emerge where people are connecting in a healthy way with each other. And so there are relational blessings that God has given us so that we can be supported and so we can grow and so that we can find through those relationships his love flowing into our lives and flowing through our lives. And I thought about this and I realized that this is probably one of the most powerful things that my friend Greg discovered at his church was not only did he find a reset for his life but he found a circle of friends that came around him and supported him. And emerging out of that, a relationship with someone who would be his new bride. And out of that, more children. And I saw a church that said, Greg, we don't care where you've been or what you've been through. God wants to bless you. And that's why we're here. God has something better in mind for you. And it's just the message of the gospel. And I thought about my first real small group was in South Africa. And it was with a whole cross-section of ethnicities and people that just gathered every week at a friend of our, all of ours collectively named Derek and Gloria. And we just looked forward to it every week. It was something that emerged into just a, a, a really a, a, a caring environment. When someone was in the hospital, we'd, we'd go visit and pray for each other. When someone had a need, we'd try to provide it from within our collective group. When someone needed some encouragement, we would find that coming from different directions at us or through us to each other. I remember his wife, Gloria, who had chronic back pain. And she would say every week, I look so forward to this gathering because it is the one highlight of my week in the midst of all the pain that I'm having to experience and for her it was just a channel of blessing that she would discover week after week after week and it gave her some sense of consolation in the midst of an illness that wouldn't probably ever get sorted out and in the process God supported us and grew us and loved us And we've been trying for a number of years to do that through Sunday school and through groups and things like that to to varying degrees of success. And a year ago, we just put our heads into this process in a way that asked serious questions about why this wasn't working and how can we get equipped. And we found that there were answers to each of those questions in such a way that we felt very confident that if we were to pursue it in a along a certain line that God's blessings would begin to flow through our church into groups and through groups. And so what we did was we just came up with a strategy for that, not to programmatically force it on you, but to just open up the door of opportunity as we've had a gathering of leaders that have collected and been a a small group for a while, experienced that in and of ourselves, and we just want that to grow however God wants to grow it. And if you walked in here today, maybe you came in that door over there and you saw um, a, a room that was sort of opened up and you're thinking, well, what, what is that room all about? And that room is basically designed to help 
capture the momentum that God is trying to create in your life and mine when we leave this worship gathering and God's stirring up inside of us something that says, you need to do this, you need to act on this. And you put on your connect card and then as that happens, the, the, the heat and, the, and, and sort of the flames die down to sort of embers and other things close in and begin to distract. And so what we want to do is just capture that. And a person can come into worship and they can say, I need to, I need to discover what, what else God has in store for me. And if you were to go in there today, for example, you'd see Brittany in there and, and, and eventually other volunteers. And this is what, what they would show you. It'd be this picture. And the picture would, would be basically a pathway into groups or if you needed pastoral care in some way or you're having issues with grief or you need a direction on, on marriage counseling, perhaps you're thinking, I'm ready to change everything because I know I was made for something better and I want to start off with baptism. Maybe you're like many people in here I know who have the stickers and stuff like that. You have kids and you want them to understand the blessing that you're beginning to understand or students. Maybe you want to serve and you're thinking, how can I get involved? And what we've created is an app that just serves as an opening of a door into those pathways. Because we believe that all of those things that you see on the screen are in reality ways that God uses to bring blessing into our world. And we try to just conform our behaviors around here to that pathway. So when you leave here today, maybe you're thinking, yeah, I would like to be a part of a group. And if you are, you're in the right place. Because we have uh, right now just put together uh, four groups. One of them is, I uh, just want to show you on the screen real quickly. Uh, maybe you're thinking, I'd like to be a part of a men's group. And perhaps you're like me, you like working on... You know, you like working in the yard, you like working on mechanical things. Um, maybe sometimes, if you're like me, you can even be a jerk. And you're like, I need to redirect my attention to something good. And perhaps I need to do something that's less about me and more about somebody else. Maybe I need to learn to be a good Samaritan and how I can just begin to move in that direction. Perhaps if you're a female and you're thinking, yeah, I'd like to be in a, in a women's group. And if you do, um, Lisa Turkhurst, who's written a lot of very helpful books uh, that, that, that many women have read and found very edifying in their lives with, with, with just unique women's issues that have to do with their relationships and things that they struggle with. Uninvited is a great way to just start moving in a direction where you can get perspective and maybe even healing. Another way is if you're a married couple and you're saying we'd like to just reset from the ground up what we're doing and why we're doing what we're doing as a couple. And I don't know of anyone better than Francis Chan who has the ability to take the Bible and just make it speak to us in a way that um, vividly uh, just gives us guidance. And so he wrote this book a few years ago and, and a number of us have gone through it and we said yeah, that if I could just help everybody to see this that would be awesome. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, I've been in groups and they've turned ugly. Or I've been in groups and they've just been on autopilot. Or I've been in groups and they've had no intentionality. But I want you to understand is the groups that we're putting together actually have intentionality. They have support. They have a back structure. They have leaders who go through training. There is a culture that we're trying to facilitate. Maybe you just want to understand that. And that would be the last group that we're offering. And it's called community. It's just how you do community. 
You know, like I mentioned last week, community is awesome, but the only problem is there are people in community. And we all have a dark side. And that comes out, and when it does, it can get pretty ugly. And what God is saying to us is, I want you to do community, but I want you to pay attention on how to do community right. And so several of our leaders that we have for community groups, we've just gone through this, and it's helped to clarify why we do what we do. And all of that to underscore that God wants to use this building, the people especially that are here, to be that pathway for blessing. And we want to honor that. And we want you to come alongside us and us, you, so that we can be a part of that together and God can just have a huge smile on his face. But there's another way that just dovetails with the other two and that is the type of blessing that God really is working on in your life and mine to varying degrees. And that is the spiritual blessing. The spiritual blessings that we have include grace and transformation like my friend Greg. God's presence and the spiritual gifts. And I just look out there and what God is showing me is all that spiritual gift potential. Some of it being used, some of it not. And I realize that the realities of things that are spiritual have been ignored for too long. And I'm starting with myself saying, I'm not recognizing, Lord, your blessing and its purpose. And maybe I'm not living it in the way that you intend. And I'm not perhaps being the best vessel for that. And maybe I've been too distracted. And maybe God's saying, maybe you're on to something. Because what God is really trying to do is just show us as many ways as he possibly can that we were made for something better. And the thing is, as I read the story of Abraham, and as I read what Jesus, uh, what Paul wrote about regarding Jesus' blessing, how he's adopted us into a family, that's actually the family of Abraham, the people of God, how he saved us by this amazing grace, and how he's shown us that everything that we experience, our relationship with him, is premised on what he's done. I just want to make a, a point here very quickly. And that is, perhaps you've been coming to church for a long time, and you've had the sense that if I do the right things, I will please God in the right way, and I will curry his favor, I will discover his blessing. And maybe you're to-do list, your spiritual to-do list is, I've done this God, I've done this God, I've done this God, and I've done this God. God, why haven't you in return done what I expect? And there are some people who are saying, I just know if I do enough of these to-dos that I'm going to be in that right place. And then there are some people who are not even here because somehow that arbitrary list of things that you have to do became so overwhelming and, and so indecipherable in your ability to understand it, that you just gave up. Well, I just want to give you a little peace of mind. What we're doing here is not religion in that way. What we're doing here is about a relationship. It's not about a do religion. This, what we do here is about a done religion. What needs to be done has been done. And it's been done by God through Abraham, but ultimately through Christ. And everything that we have that we need, he's provided. And the Gregs of the world and perhaps the Leonards of the world and each of you of the world know that what we need 
we can't in and of ourselves produce. And so we are dependent upon the mercies of God. And if you read that scripture from Ephesians, you find that all God's wanting to do is just lavish on. He wants to spoil us with, with his blessings. It's just his, his desire. But he can only do so much. Maybe part of it is we're just, we've just never been good at receiving it. Yeah, God gave me that, but really that's mine. I'm entitled to it. I control it. Yeah, God, thank you for that, but it's mine. I'm going to hoard it. I'm going to keep it in my basement. I'm going to keep it in my garage. It's for me. And maybe God's saying, you don't really know how to receive things very well, do you? And maybe you're saying, I've received it, and it's for me, and I'm hoarding it, but I don't feel right. I don't feel like I'm doing the right thing. Matter of fact, I feel like even though I have all these blessings, if I could just have a few more, if I could have that better house, if I could have that better car, if I could have that better job, then I would be great. But maybe God's saying, no, it's not about the upgrades. It's really about your, your posture. Are you really postured to receive blessings? Now, I remember... You know, when I started out, my wife and I, we'd lived in pretty austere circumstances. I remember an elder trying to encourage me, and he said, basically, that's where you're starting out. He said, two can starve as cheaply as one. So no place up, no place but up from here. And I'm like, I don't know if that's good or bad, but it doesn't sound good. Since then, I've learned to just appreciate wherever it is that he's put me. Because whatever it is, it's his grace. The problem I have to sort out, and I think all of us have to wrestle with, is why? Well, the first why I think you know. God has made us so that he can bless us. But the second part is maybe the trickier part. God wants to use each of us to be a blessing to others. And maybe you're wondering, how, how in the world do I do that? And God's Always got an answer. If you ask a question, you keep asking. He'll give you what you need to, what you need to know if you, if you search. And so how do we do that? Here, here's what I would recommend that you do. First thing, just take an inventory of all the blessings that you have. Do a blessing inventory. Write on your bulletin, all right, this is how God has blessed me. House, car, relationships, Whatever resources you have, spiritually, he's given me something I never had before. I just dare you to do like that corny old hymn says, but true. Count your blessings, (laughs) name them one by one. And then here's what else. Just ask the question. And that is, if God has given me this, if he's blessed me with this, God hopes that I will be a blessing by doing this. And only you can fill in that blank. Because whatever blessings you have, they're just the unique gifts of God into your life. But I suspect... If you're like me, you've been pretty big on the God by design wants to bless me. 
And I live in a consumer culture that says I need more. But I don't know that I think enough about how it is that what I've been given is supposed to be a vehicle for blessing for people that God wants to bless. As we just close this out, I I want you to do a couple of things. One is, if you're thinking about being a part of a group, go into our, our Next Step studio. Brittany will be in there, and she'll direct you through whatever it is that you need to know. Right now, she's probably kind of lonely in there, so just go in and say hi. Um, and just say, you know, what's going on in here? And maybe God just wants to direct your path that way. I encourage you, if he's stirring you up in any way, by all means. That's why we've been working hard. We've been praying about this. And God just said, you need to do this. And that's why we did it. But maybe God's also saying, I blessed a lot of people in this room. I want you to be one of those people. But you're not going to really know the fullness of its effect until you're part of my family. And I want to make you part of this family. Maybe God's saying that right now and that's why we're here.